That works. Hi, this is your name is Joe, host of webcomics reviews and interviews. Today we're talking with Kimberly Spencer, high-performance uh, high business coach. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Hi, everyone. I am Kimberly Spencer. I am a certified high-performance coach. I work with a lot of visionary business leaders on helping them take their uh, performance to the next level with really getting holistic success in their bodies and their businesses and in their relationships so that one's not coming at the sacrifice of the other. And I am the founder of crownyourself.com. Excellent. So when it comes down to it, you're basically trying to basically help business leaders attain success by figuring out what, how to basically do the best they can. Yeah. So basically when, whenever you have a business, you're, you are the you are the the rudder of the ship and you are the captain of the ship and so you have to know you have to have the clarity to know where your ship is going you have to have the energy to be able to to get that ship pedaling you have to be able to operate with productivity so that you either have an efficient crew or you have efficient systems in place so that you can make sure that you get to your destination. And then you have to have influence skills so that you can influence your team or other people to come on board your boat and row towards your goal together. Cool. And what advice, and how do you help these people? I mean, do you set up interview times or do you go to a place of business or... Um, I do all my calls virtually via Zoom. So for me, all my clients have clients around the world in eight different time zones. Um, so it really just comes down to when they book an appointment with me. And so I have, I start them off with a 90 minute consult where I see how I can serve their business, how I can help them. And I work with a lot of freelancers, uh, voice actors, YouTube stars, event planners, celebrants, quilters, coaches, health coaches, and, um, massage therapists. The, the list is quite extensive for the variety of business owners that I have served. And I found that with that variety comes the similarities that, that just are true for whatever business that you're in. Do you notice that there are any overlapping problems or com problems that come up a lot when it comes to people? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the number one, it, it always starts with belief and the belief in your vision and really having that vision for where you want to go and holding fast to it. I think, I think a lot of people in different industries, I mean, when I remember when I first started out when I was 17, 18 years old, I was working as a freelance screen, screenwriter in Hollywood. And there were, I, I, I was list in, in networking groups with all of these, mostly men, um, who ate a lot of donuts. And I was there as, you know, just ambitious, um, um, excited, like ready to make my dreams come true and hearing a lot of negative feedback and comment and jadedness about possibility. And I got, it got me thinking like, I don't like, I appreciate that that's your perspective, but that's not mine. And having that that wherewithal and that awareness to be able to say, yeah, so that's what you believe, but that's not necessarily what I believe about what I can accomplish. And I was able to write my first feature film. I got an offer to write it within the two years. And so I, I wrote that, and then that led me on 
led me on my journey to becoming a business coach because I realized what I really loved about writing screenplays was transforming people's stories, both the story of the characters in the movie in the movie and the character and the stories of the peoples who, who watch the movie, who wear it, who watch the movie and it made an impact on them. And so when I realized that, that was where I was like, I, that's, that's the business I'm really in. That's the, that's the business I, I, I love is transforming, transforming people's stories. So the belief of what's possible, what's, what's, po- what's possible within a certain amount of time, um, and, and common business problems like that with the belief in yourself. And because when you have that lack of belief, it, it trickles down into the, to the actions that you take on a daily basis. Like you're, if you don't believe that you are capable of losing weight, you're not going to actively choose better healthy options. You're not going to actively start seeking to go outside and exercise. Like if you don't believe that that's possible for you, then why try? The same is true for business. If you don't believe that your goals are possible, like you, then why try? I try. So that's where it leads into dabbling, where people will do a little bit here and then they they won't really be pursuing their sales or they'll like that. Love the idea of having a business and the the concept of having a business where it seems like a really sexy thing to have this free freedom based lifestyle where you could live anywhere and work from wherever. And it looks like this amazing, fun thing. But but really, really, the level of uh, work and commitment and discipline that is required is something that they don't really feel able to rise into because it does require discipline. I'm not a believer in hard work for hard work's sake, but I do believe in discipline, disciplined action and being very crystal clear on what are the needle movers in your business on what are the things, the things that really that you do best, that you do better than anybody else. And that the other things that you do, because we all have certain things that we do in our business that we don't really love doing. um, But delegating those things, things or eliminating them off your plate if they really don't serve simply because when you're I've seen a direct correlation with business owners between how much time they're spending in their zone of genius which is like the place where they thrive and the amount of income that they're bringing in and um like for one client I she was had she had other side side hustles to support herself in growing her business. And she was entirely self-funding her business as an event planner. And when I asked her how much time she was actually spending doing the things that she loves and like taking these ideas and then implementing them into the world and orchestrating these beautiful events that she, that she does. And she said, and she said, really, it's only like about 10% of the time in her business. And when we looked at her income, her business was only bringing in about 10% of her income. So there was a direct correlation to how much time she was spending in her genius zone. And when she started to spend more time in her genius zone and hone in, hone in on what those, what those real needle movers are and then spent and delegate the rest, she found an amazing assistant and who was able to help her with some of some of the the things that she would spend so much time on that used to be like time sucks, but some things, you know, obviously needed to be done. And she just went in like and dove in and was able to to launch uh, some really profitable events and also create a membership that was just rocking. To show you how big a fan I am of 80 movies, obviously the rad loop to loop strikes again. <laughs> Um, you watch the movie. Re- <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I know that's an ADV. I, I know ADV because I know my husband's worked for them. Um, <laughs> there's a movie called Rad. It's a pretty much basic, you know, sports bike movie where the 
you know, kid gets bullied, has problems, learns to overcome them by basically winning in a bike race. Oh, it's oh, it sounds like the movie that I movie that I wrote. <laughs> at the beginning of the at the move, beginning of the movie, the kid is basically trying to conquer a loop to loop. You basically go into a loop to loop and be able to drive on the top of it and then back out the other side of it. Okay. You know, basic bike stunt. The key is is that he's basically put he keeps falling every time he gets to the top of the loop, and so we did was he put a mattress to catch him whenever he fell. The fun okay. part here is is that a girl actually shows up on the scene and points out that hey, if you're really trying to get do this loop to loop, you're gonna to need to get rid of the mattress. Because ah. as soon as you, you know, straight up, as soon as she pointed out that as soon as you basically do the loop to loop, you're going to basically run right into that mattress and it's going to basically cause a major accident, right? Mm-hmm. So the only way you're going to succeed at this is if you basically stop worrying about getting hurt by falling down and just get rid of the safety zone. Yep, a hundred percent, and learn how to fail forward fast. So, like, that's why I love the fact that you just were like, okay, I did this intro and, like, flubbed it, flubbed it, and then do it, did it again, and it worked out. Like, like it, it's doing it as fast as, failing as fast as possible, because really, every time I ask my clients who are so desperately scared of making the wrong choice or the wrong move or whatever, when I ask them, like, is there really something that it, is there really right or wrong? Like, is there really a wrong choice to make? in a launch like there's there are choices to make but labeling them with the with whether they're right or wrong it immediately puts on resistance against you actually like taking action on that thing where you're like oh i did this wrong well then then suddenly if you have a belief where you did something wrong and it leads to you believing that your identity is a failure because you made a freaking mistake sorry first of all you're human and second of all actually if, if if you remove that pressure from making the wrong move and just say i'm making a move if it works it works if it does if it doesn't it doesn't if it works great if it doesn't i i have evidence as to what not to do like i the failures are really the best teachers like when i launched my first um high ticket coaching like it was it was surprising to me because it it was so successful that I was like was like whoa okay so doing these how did I how did I actually succeed at launching this program <laughs> because it was it worked and I didn't I I didn't have the lessons from multiple failures in order to learn how to basically make sure that that like reconstruct that wheel so that it works so that I had to really dig into like this, the strategies of asking my clients, okay, why did you sign up for this program? What inspired you about it? What, what really motivated you around it? What, what, um, what was the feelings that you got from it? What did you see from this program that you didn't see in other coaches that you, that made you want to work with me? And that allowed me to get a lot of information as to why they, why they did what they did and, and signed up. But success is really a crappy teacher because especially if you think of those people who have like music artists, for example, like they have that one hit wonder and it taught them nothing because they didn't have the multiple failures. So they have the big success, the one hit wonder, and then they have no way of learning how to repeat that. Cause they think, Oh, I'm just going to release again. And then they release another, another song and it bombs. And then they're like, wait, that, they put their identity as to the success of this song versus having the identity of just being for growth and learning. 
Yeah, that's sort of why it's sort of more interesting to look at a band's sophomore record, the second record, rather than their first. Yeah, it provides you with greater information as to, like, okay, okay, did they, like, what did they change? How did they, how did they evolve? Like, if you look at someone like Lady Gaga, like, freaking knocked it out of the park with her first album, and then had to really dive in and look at, like, okay, let's, her, her, her second record and her third, and she just evolved from those successes, but it took a process of evolution and looking at the work. Yeah, definitely. And with comics, we have sort of a parallel because you have a lot of people who tend to get start off their comic in a particular art style, and of course, as time progresses, that art style tends to evolve as well. So it's sort of interesting to see how yeah. many people just want to basically go back and completely redo their original art just to catch it up with the current art style. That's sort of a, one of our big no-nos. Exactly. It's like your art is your art, and it's okay to evolve. Um, as one of my colleagues has said, you are you are a person before you are a brand, and as a person, you are allowed to evolve and change. And so I, we see these like major brands with such consistency, and and um, but we also see when you think of it in the of artists, like art businesses who are artists, it's it you have full permission to evolve, and the tribe that you attract attract initially may not be the tribe that you attract later on with your with your work. I mean, one of my very good girlfriends, she is. She was a coach and she attracted a, a certain tribe with that that just like skyrocketed and she did really well. And then she had this heart for music and she pivoted and she pivoted into music. Now, I'm a huge fan, but her music be was this really raw, real, like, like, a mate, like really, like it, like it had some grit and depth to it that not everybody in her tribe understood. And that's okay. It's okay, but you you will attract the more authentically you show up, you will attract the more authentic crowd that just gets you, that just understands you on such a deep, a deeper level. That, it, but it comes down to you showing up, not to please everybody else with like what you think they want, want, because immediately as soon as you start thinking in terms of pleasing them for what you think they want, it that's like death death to create creativity that's because you create from your soul like from your heart you're not creating from and this is creating from a business this is creating art like i personally think when i write my blogs and i do my podcast that's my that's my expression of my art uh, uh, which is just communicating and create creating ideas and transforming stories and I do that in every single post, in every single interview, in every single um, podcast podcast that I record. And I cho I do that because that that is my art. And if I was do it sounds, in sounds incredibly selfish, but at the same time, it's incredibly selfless because if you do your art for oh, this is what I think people want to hear, then suddenly it's no longer art. Suddenly it's this like stoic boring cookie cutter thing that yeah may yeah, may have some value in some point but it's not it's no longer longer art it's gone from being um creation to formulaic 
Yeah, you definitely see the difference between people who are doing it because they love it and people who are doing it just because they think it's a business. Exactly. Exactly. And people who do it to, like, just pump out the dollars. And I'm like, actually, in my experience, when you're more in the, in the space, space of just showing up authentically and, and really, really being true to, to what it is that you are are experiencing and releasing your art, then that 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 attracts a whole different type of do- dollar and a whole different type of fulfillment. Because I've known people who make 50K a month and five, 5K a month and everything in between. And what I found is it doesn't matter how much you're making to determine how, how fulfilled you are in what you're doing. It matters, are you really aligned with the boundaries that you've established, with knowing the values that your business brings to the table, the values that you imbue into your business, and are you are you are you creating your art in a way that just brings you joy? Are you operating in your zone of genius in that in that area that you could do for free all day, every day, and it almost feels too good to be paid for? To basically just basically be who you are and let everybody else sort it out type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, be who you are. I mean, be, be a hundred, like authenticity just reigns and people can feel when you're not authentic. I mean, I was on another, another interview for a, a series and the woman thanked me so profusely for showing up, for just showing up and being being exactly what I post in my on my Instagram, which you're more than welcome to follow at Kimberly.Spencer and shameless plug. And and on my blog at crownyourself.com forward slash blog. Again, shameless plug. But that's the thing, is that I have full ownership and boldness to promote myself. And that's and that's something that not everybody feels comfortable with. And that's okay. But because of that, I attract people into my world um, and clients who have no problem promote, who are like excited to promote themselves and who are excited to invest in themselves and invest in their business. Because that's what I put out there. I, like the tire kickers, I, I don't attract because I don't show up consistently as a tire kicker as like, oh, I'm just, you know, maybe I'll dabble, dabble here and maybe I'll dabble there. No, it, it comes down to going all in on being a hundred percent authentic. And that's where you actually get fulfillment from. When you feel like you have to please everybody else, it's soul sucking. It is soul sucking a hundred percent. I have seen, I've seen more people be more depressed, more, uh, experience more struggle, experience more strife in all areas of their life because they're showing up as what everybody else thought they should be as a business owner rather than who they actually are as a business owner. Definitely. I hate going back a step. Um, you also pointed out the discipline is a major part of that. How would a person go about establishing that discipline? It starts with having having some form of structure, and I'm not I'm not a fan of like uber rigidity. Um, if that's just not my jam, I have one uh, friend who is who's very much about uber rigidity. He he loves it, loves it. He, he like thrives off of it. I thrive off of having a balance. So having the discipline to show up in, 
it starts with courage. It really, it starts with courage 150% with saying, I'm going to show up, show up. I'm going to message. I'm going to do this. Even if nobody's listening, even if I only have 200 followers, even if I only have, you know, 300 people on my email list, it, it doesn't matter the size, like, and for people who, who get down on themselves about, about the size size of their email list or the size of their followers or the size of the, how many people are people are listening to their podcasts. I'm like, first of all, everyone started with one to two followers. Everyone did. Everyone started with one to two people on their email list. Everyone did. You have, have to first have a hundred people on your email list in order to get a hundred thousand. Like you first have to have a hundred people following you in order to get a hundred thousand. And so it's allowing yourself to honor where you start because, you know, when I'm a, I'm a marathon runner and when you're running a marathon, the death to your momentum is to compare yourself to people who are already, already at mile 12. Like you have to go through mile one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 to, to be able to get to number 12. Comparing yourself of, oh, why am I not there yet? You're not there yet because you haven't gone through one, two, three, four, five, six, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That's why you're not there yet. So keep going and celebrate the fact, the progress that you're making along the way. Celebrate every time you get a new follower. Celebrate every every time you get a new customer. Celebrate every time because that actually trains the reticular activating system in your brain to recognize those those moments of getting new followers and getting new subscribers and getting new new customers in. And it trains your brain to seek it out more. It's biological. So you might as well train your brain to focus on what you want. Cool. Any other tips, general tips for success? Do I have any general tips for success? Oh yeah, the number the number one rule is speed of implementation, a hundred percent. Because where discipline goes awry, awry, is because you're not seeing results, and odds are you're not not seeing results because you're not implementing fast enough. So you have an idea, that idea sits, and then you sit on that idea, and then you wait. And then you're like, mm, I don't know. And then the doubt creeps in. And then you wonder if it's possible. And will anyone buy? And I'm not sure. And then, and so you go on this hamster wheel and then maybe, and then maybe that idea sparks again. And you're like, oh, I, I really need to do this idea. But now it's become this need to do instead of this like compulsion of like, oh, this is a beautiful beautiful idea. I'm going to implement. I'm going to take action. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go all in on this idea. And, and if it works great, if it doesn't awesome, like I got some great learning out of it, but that is a super powerful, the, the, the biggest differentiator between the people that I see who are successful and the people I coach who are successful and the people who stay stuck and struggling is speed of implementation where they have an idea or they have a problem and they immediately seek the solution. They immediately put it into action rather than delaying. Cause when you delay, it creates doubt and doubt is the killer of dreams. And of course, part of that is you have people who tend to make the mistake of waiting for exactly the right moment to launch whatever it is they're launch want to launch. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, oh, wait, the stars have to align. And then, you know, I wait, I have to wait until I have 500 subscribers or I have to wait until I have 500 people on my email list and they're delaying until they have this thing. But the, the greatest thing is like when you want to launch something, the launching is what builds it. So launch more often. 
And of course, the switching gears 100%. Yeah, it's just like you point out, you've got a lot of people who are holding back for all the wrong reasons, and they've got to stop holding back. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's when you're holding back, it's a lack of belief, and odds are it's because you haven't implemented fast enough. It's because, because if you immediately take action, action creates momentum. And as Tony Robbins says, money loves momentum. And I have seen that to be completely true with just take, suddenly you have an idea, you take massive, rapid action on it. I mean, I, I take, for example, back in uh, January, my company, we wanted to start doing more live events. Ha, 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 ha. We didn't know COVID was going to happen. But I set the intention to do one workshop per month. And, and in January, we were going to have our first workshop. It was nine days before the workshop. And we didn't have one sale, like not one. And immediately, I was like, okay, it's nine days out. I know most people buy like a few days before the, the event. Um, so I'm going to start, I'm going to just take massive action. And I just looked at when from, from the perspective of it already being done, it being a full and successful and profitable workshop. And I, I looked from that perspective of, okay, if it's full, if it's profitable, if it's totally successful, what do I see? What do I hear? What do I feel in that experience of it already being done? It's already done. Okay. Great. It's already done. Now, now, what were the steps that I had to do to um, to get to done? And then I looked back at the steps. Who did I need to contact? OK. So, and suddenly people would start coming to mind because the great thing is about your subconscious mind is it cannot tell the difference between what is real and what is vividly imagined. So a goal is not a destination to work toward. It is a, it is a place to work from. So when you imagine yourself as already successfully achieving that goal that you it, that is the thing that you want, you then can look back to now and say, okay, now what are the steps that I need to take? Because as Albert Einstein says, the consciousness that got you into the problem, well, you cannot solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it. So if you're trying to solve a problem from the where you are, are now, you're solving a problem from the consciousness that created it. When you project yourself into the successful event of it already being done and it is done, it is finished, it is in the can, it has been profitable and successful. And you saw what you saw, you heard what you heard and you felt what you felt of it being done. And then you look back to now, suddenly you're, you're going to start getting these connections. These like, Oh, maybe I should contact this person. Maybe I should reach out to this person. And that's what I did for nine days. I was, I was, emailing my existing customers. I was texting friends that I knew in the area, um, acquaintances who I had met who had owned a business. Like I was looking at all these different places and I was getting these hits out of the blue. Oh, post this on Alignable. And I was like, what? I have never marketed on Alignable. For example, like I've never marketed on Alignable, but suddenly my gut said, oh, just, you know, just post it. And I posted the event and I had had two VIP tickets sales come from that. And so, and I only needed 15 people and three VIP tickets meant the event was already profitable. So I got two out of that. And so I ended up having an overly crowded event. My, we were actually overbooked. Um, fortunately, I printed up, an, uh, up enough workbooks, but that's because I took massive rapid action instead of sitting and be like, oh, why don't I have like, why don't I have more clients? Well, 
why, why don't I have I'm like people signing up? I know this workshop is great. Instead of sitting in that energy, I shifted into an energy that was like, oh my gosh, of course it's already done. Of course it's done. Of course it's finished. What did I have to do to get here? Okay, it's done. This, these are the steps I needed to take. And it changed the game. And I've done that time and time and time again in my business and in my personal life. Part of me is going, you should be slowing down your workshops because of the COVID. I mean. Oh, well, yeah, we didn't. We, we did. We stopped doing workshops in March. <laughs> so we, we did. We did the workshop in February um, and it ended up we that was a workshop that we ended up ended up having to take into a, doing a virtual workshop. And we did the workshop in February and then we had to slow down and stop because of COVID covid exactly so but when but when we are able to do uh workshops again we will definitely be up and running because of covid so going in my dreaded jerk mode when you do workshops are they actual virtual or are they on or are you person to person uh we do we do both person to person so it was live workshops that was what i wanted I wanted to do for 2020 um, live in-person workshops because I just missed being around people. I'm on virtual all day long. I love I love interacting with people online and on podcasts, but there's just a different feeling that you get when you interact in person. And I want I wanted to challenge myself because I'm very comfortable speaking with notes in front of me on my computer um, when I'm giving a workshop presentation, and I don't have those notes when I am. I am uh, giving a live presentation, and so I wanted to challenge myself in doing that. Um, but I do do workshops inside of my Crown Yourself community for um, on Facebook for live workshops. All right, cool. I just want to make sure because it's like I'm seeing a lot of people. I'm starting to see a lot of the web workshops really taking off right now. Oh yeah, yeah. It's necessity. And I'm like, you could basically. You know, still go with the workshop but that, or the workbook, but at that point, you're just basically giving the person a PDF version rather than an actual real version. But, you know. Okay. So, but I figure you're doing all that anyway. So, you're just taking yeah. time off because yeah, of COVID. Yeah, we're taking time off. Like, we, we haven't we haven't taken any time off. We've just pivoted um, the strategy from being in person to online. All right, and because the other part, now I'll get to the part, it's one of you dreaded. Hey, uh, let's basically go on a complete tangent and ignore why I actually brought you onto the podcast in the first place, right? Cool. <laughs> uh, basically, we want, I actually want to talk to you about marketing because you had a certain degree of success with Amazon. Yeah. Um, what kind of tactics do you usually tend to use when it comes to am, uh, selling on Amazon? Well, Amazon was really, that was with my e-commerce commerce company. And that was like, it feels like that was at least five years ago. So the marketing strategies that I have for Amazon um, are probably very outdated. Um, the marketing strategy that we like, we did get as an e-commerce company, we got far more sales off of Amazon than we did for um, our website. Um, and that the Amazon sales, we did Amazon advertising, which was actually very prof profitable for a good ROI. Um, but for optimizing Amazon listings, I have a great person who would come on as a guest and share all her expertise about specifically how to customize Amazon so that you're more highly searchable and people find you and make you money. 
you have to remember any of those tips. I mean, it's sort of interesting. When you start looking at marketing strategies, you tend to notice that they tend to, you, you know, something that may not have worked way back when, all of a sudden starts working. I mean, it's just sort of weird when it comes to marketing strategy. You never really tell what's going to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, marketing is ever-changing, and that's the thing is that it's all about play. It's about playing and testing and seeing what works and what doesn't and, and then pivoting rapidly so that you're not wasting tons of advertising dollars with something that's getting a low ROI. So if you are, if you are able, if you pay for advertising, then look and tweak and edit your site and see how you can make it better. And like what we did for our e-commerce uh, company is we highlighted, we made sure the title had every single searchable keyword in it that related to our product, um, which was a back uh, pain device. And we made sure the description was very, very highly SEO populated with terms that were with terms that we saw com our competitors using. So when we would see other back stretching devices, we would look at what those descriptions were saying, especially with the ones that came up first, and see what were the keywords that they were using in those descriptions and how could we apply those keywords into the descriptions that we were that we had as well. So it's just a little bit of recon, but doing competitor recon is is a, it's kind of fun. It's kind of like spy work. And B, it's like, like I think of it as spy work. And B, it's um, it, it really does allow you to see what other people are doing and how you can one, do it either better or do it differently so that you stand out. Yeah, that's sort of why I tell writers you need to keep reading. Otherwise, if you lose that, lose that you're going to basically have no idea what's going on in the field if nothing else. A hundred a hundred percent. Yeah. Always like writers keep reading. Screenwriters keep watching movies. Film directors keep watching movies. Coaches work with coaches. Um, I personally think everybody should work with a coach just because it's always like why a coach is very helpful to have on your team. Um, and by your team, I mean anybody that you have who's really rooting for your success is a coach is looking from a third party perspective and unattached perspective. Like you could have some people that some people's team members are like their partners or their, or their family or their moms and dads um, where their you know, their team is people who believe in them. And yet the, while those people believe in you, um, sometimes they have an invested interest in what you do. Like your partner or your husband or your wife has an invested interest in you succeeding. And so, or, and so they want to make sure that you are or in you, you know, being there for them as well or, or, you know, whatever other motives that people have. And so sometimes they'll give you crappy advice like, oh, you're working so hard, honey. Oh, you should tone it down. Oh, maybe you should slow down. Um, and while meanwhile, a coach would say, OK, maybe you need to slow down in this area because this area area is not really producing uh, ROI on the amount of time that you're spending in it. And maybe you need to speed up in doubling down on your internet marketing or on video marketing. And so that really allows for a, a variety of being able to play with it and being able to, to have somebody who can see all the players on your field, not just you as a quarterback, like it's very hard for the quarterback to coach the rest of the team that he can't see because he's got like his, you know, helmet on blocking his view. So he only sees what he sees, whereas a coach sees the whole field. 
sees the whole landscape and it's a holistic picture ideally. And so you can see where somebody could be repeating a, a negative strategy, um, like maybe looking only at the short term gains and not really at the long term uh, vision. And because I've seen that repeat in people's relationships as well as repeat in their business. So because and because I'm able to see that because I know what's going on in their relationships, I can see, oh, my gosh, you're repeating the same pattern of looking at the short term gains of pleasing your customers, but not really looking at the long term vision for where for how you're building this business. And so while you're giving your short term gains of like refunds or whatever, when your policy is clearly saying not to, how are you going to do that when you're at, you know, having a million customers come come through your business like you can't make those exceptions when you have like a million customers coming through your business or you can make those con exceptions but if you are going to make those exceptions then you have like how are you going to train your customer service team so every every business is different but the the great po part about having a coach is that they can see all the players and they can see how you as the quarterback are playing the plays yeah, a lot of people just tend to basically tend to focus in on what they can see and tend to forget there's other things going on around them. So it's always nice to have that extra perspective. Exactly. This is going to be a weird one. When it comes, I know there's a lot of coaching shows out there, and when it comes down to it, I prefer the restaurant makeover ones. Um, Robert Irvine coming in, coming in, oh. for example, and basically saying, hey, these are all the problems you have with your business. This is what we need to work on. And, you know, of course, obviously does the makeover, but the key is he's transforming not necessarily the business, but he's trying to make that outside of the transformation symbol, symbolic of the inside transformation that he's actually going to help the people with. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah, it's, it's 100% because I've, I've seen it time and time again with the, the like, the makeover, the renovation the restaurant makeover shows, the hair salon makeover shows where you make over the business the way it looks, but you have to make over the business owner because your internal circumstances, the, the owner's internal circumstances, the owner's internal beliefs will radically impact the business's external circumstances, whether that's the amount of profit that's coming in or the look of the business or the feel of the business, it translates. And the leader, the leader, Leader is it is driving the look, the feel, the the environment of the ship. Uh, basically, are there any coaching shows that you'd actually recommend out there? I mean, I love I I love for one, and I love I love Shark Tank um, simply because they get on people for not knowing their numbers and not being um, not being a lot of they get a lot of creative entrepreneurs, which is amazing. And in order to own a business and to grow it and to scale it, you also got to know your numbers. And so I really respect that. Um, I do love the restaurant makeovers. There was one, I, I don't watch a lot of like reality TV so much anymore. I used to be like a reality TV junkie and I just, I don't really watch a lot of TV period. Um, but I do love, like, there was one show that was like Tab Tabitha's Salon Takeover on Bravo, and it was renovating these salons, and it was basically a business coaching, and there was one salon that I remember because it was right down the street from my house, and I remember seeing it, because, and I remember it because I went to that salon, and the woman, the hairstylist didn't listen to me, she gave me really bad bangs, and, and so when she came in, I was like, oh, my gosh, thank God she's going to renovate this this business. 
And it was interesting because it was the one, it was one of the times that the business owner, um, was very prideful and didn't listen. Like he, he took the advice, the renovation looked beautiful, but when they did the recap of, you know, how is your business doing now that you've been through this? And she's like, she walked in, she's like, oh my God, you didn't listen to anything that I suggested. And he said, yeah, we're still kind of just like moseying along and everything stayed the same. And I think that that, that, that episode in particular really struck me because that's what I've seen with a lot of, a lot of business owners, especially those who like do a consult call with me and then they don't end up doing long-term coaching with me. Because when I circle back, they're like, oh, I'm doing fine in my business or, oh, it's doing okay or, oh, it's about the same. And it pains my heart. Or if like if they came to me when they weren't doing well, that's when I'm like, it pains my heart to see that they're still in the same place of suffering. And it goes to show that it does take that internal transformation of your beliefs first, first and foremost, far beyond any other form of transformation. It takes the leader to transform first, which then trickles into the business, which trickles into the team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tabitha definitely rocks. That was just an incredible show. Yeah. So, and of course, rounding it out, I also like uh, The Prophet with Marcus Lemonis. Okay, I haven't seen that one. It's sort of unique because unlike the other shows you, where it's almost 100% successes, once in a while they'll have a failure, and those failures are just as educational as the successes. Mm-hmm. You learn as much, you learn more from your failures than you do from the successes. So, I mean, as, as feel good as the successes are, and we always love to hear a success story, it's like there's a reason why a lot of businesses fail. And I wrote about this in a Forbes article um, that it was like, are you in a, in a, is, are you in a, it's complicated relationship with your business? And a lot of times it comes from the, the leader is not all in like they're doing it for a profit or they're doing it for they're not doing it from a place of like real real passion and service they're doing like oh I thought this would be a fun way to make money and and sometimes that's okay and sometimes that works and sometimes that works for some people but what I found is that when people see like especially when beginning entrepreneurs get started and they desire to grow a business they're attracted by the sexy appeal of the digital nomad lifestyle of the freedom that entrepreneurship brings. But again, they lack the discipline and they don't treat the business like a like a job, which it is until you actually become a business owner instead of a business operator. So when you're in the business, when you're constantly working day in and day out in the business, you are operating in your business. You are not owning it. I mean, you may own it on paper. You may have your name on the LLC or the incorporation, but that is op when you are continuing to operate in your business, you are still a business operator, not yet a business owner. And that is something that a lot of entrepreneurs don't see to where they don't treat it like they actually have a job. One of the most common questions that I ask my clients is if your future self, you know, the successful woman or man bringing in X amount of dollars that you want to bring in into your business, looked at the quality and the quantity of your output of the work that you're doing now, would they fire you? And it's a perfectly appropriate 
appropriate question because if you think of that future you who has, doesn't, is everything that you desire as your boss and you're not living up to their expectations, then yeah, any boss would fire an employee that is underperforming. That is something a lot of people need to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you are the boss and you're future self is the boss of you of the of the future self that has the success and has the the followers and has the the how, however much money you want to make coming into the business like that future self is your boss and it's essential that you have the quality and the quantity of the output that that she expects or he expects of you okay all right now of course we're in the dreaded wrap-up any uh, final words of advice Take action now and keep going. Keep going. Take your business seriously. Have fun in it. Seriously, have fun in it. And because you didn't start a business just to be miserable and work behind your computer for you know 12 hours a day. Um, but take it seriously. Do the work. Know, know the key needle movers. Do the work and take action now. Take action rapidly. Cool. And, of course, the obligatory, we don't have to worry about shameless plugs now. It's just straight up, go for it. <laughs> yeah, so I, you can find me at Kimberly.Spencer on Instagram or at Crown Yourself Now and on Instagram. And DM me if this episode was super valuable for you. I love getting your messages, your your, uh, your DMs, your PMs, and all, all the M's of messages that I get from being on these shows. And I am so grateful for being on. Thank you so much for having me. Go to crownyourself.com and forward slash revolutionary empire builders if you want to get on the wait list for my empire building business program. This is for only people who are the visionary leaders who are ready to revolutionize their mindset, their systems, their skill set, their branding, their marketing, and their sales. Because I love I love helping my clients make more money. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I would love to do that for you. Make sure you go to uh, crownyourself.com forward slash revolutionary empire builders and get on the wait list. All right. And thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. 